Hey, hey, good morning, Christ Hold Fast friends. Uh, good to be with you here again this morning as we continue our series in First Peter. We just started a couple weeks ago. We talked about uh, sort of Peter's emphasis to this persecuted group of Christians in the early church. Um, he wanted to sort of shore them up in their faith. And so he reminds them of who they are in Christ primarily by uh, showing them that they are regenerated, born again people of God by God's grace, all by God's hand. We spent a lot of time emphasizing that, that it's all God doing the verbs. Uh, and then telling them as a result of that what they have to look forward to as they go through persecution. He reminds them of the fact that this world is not their home, that they have heaven coming. Well, now, as we move to verses 13 through 16 of chapter 1 today, uh, really what Peter wants to do is say, okay, now that you know who you are, here's the way you should live until you reach your heavenly destination. This is, this is the way you ought to conduct yourselves. And so let's read verses 13 through 16 together. It reads like this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action... And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." End of reading. Well, what in the world? What in the world does that word "holy" mean? I think uh, there are few words that have more um, misunderstandings than that word. I think for some, when they hear "holy," they might think of holy rollers. You know, the um, you know this sort of more charismatic uh, expression of Christianity. Uh, it's a word that we sing about in church all the time. Um, in fact, I think sometimes the way that we sing about God's holiness doesn't really fit the scripture's description of God's holiness. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you can hear songs that will celebrate God's holiness and it's like, it, it sounds joyous, like he's holy, holy, you know, and, uh, you go, okay, yeah, that's true. Uh, but when you look in Scripture at the response of human beings to God's holiness, when they come in contact with them, they're not exactly jumping around singing for joy. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. They're terrified. They are absolutely terrified as sinners coming into the presence of holiness. So Exodus 33 uh, tells us that, for example, God is so holy that if Moses were to see him face to face, he'd just die that's it. Sorry, you're done. That that's it, it wasn't something that caused Moses to sort of sing around joyously. It was something that caused Moses to fear. God's name in Scripture is said to be so holy that one was not supposed to utter it at all. Um, interestingly, I mean, Jews today still uh, do not utter the name. They oftentimes will refer to God simply as the name, Hashem. Uh, when the prophets would first come into contact with God, you have a number of stories like this. They come into contact with holiness and they fall on their face. Isaiah 6 is probably the most famous example of that. When Isaiah is commissioned to preach, um, he's brought into the presence of God. 
And um, immediately he does not say, hey, what's up, bro? You know, Jesus is my homeboy. No, he, he is terrified. And he cries out literally for death. That's what it means when he says, woe is me. He'd rather die than to stand in God's presence as a sinner. And you know the rest of the story, if you're familiar with it, God has to cleanse his impurity to make him worthy of standing in his holy presence. And, you, you know, I mean, you, you might be tempted to go, well, you know, okay, fire, fair enough, Eric. That's Old Testament, though. That's not New Testament. Nah, don't do that. Remember, we worship the same God from the Old and the New Testament. You go to, the, go to Luke's Gospel, for example, in Luke 5, Jesus catches, or Jesus has Peter and some of his disciples catch a miraculous load of fish after they've been fishing all night and haven't caught anything. And in response to this miraculous load of fish that they catch, Peter does not say, dude, this is amazing that we're going to have a miracle worker among us now. Look at all the fish he provided. I mean, that would seem like a reasonable response. But in fact, what Peter does is beg Jesus to depart for him, from him. Why? Because I am a sinful man, O Lord. So the first thing you should know about holiness is holiness always scares us sinners. It always jars us. And yet, the word holy simply just means, well, something that doesn't sound as scary. It just means set apart. That's really all it means. So when it is said that God is, is holy, what is meant is that he is, he is high above us in every way. That he is different, that he is perfect and he's righteous and he's good. He's pure. So when Peter calls us to be holy, essentially what he's saying to us is to reflect God in this sense that we are set apart and thereby purified by God for his purposes. Martin Luther described the word this way. He said this little word holy means that which is God's own and due to him alone. So here's the basic teaching about holiness in Scripture before we move on to what Peter says in our passage about holy thinking. Uh, the basic teaching is that God is so high and lifted up that we should not have any right to come to him, relate to him, to pray to him, to worship him at all. Our sin so pervades our every inclination, even our best works are still mingled, that we all should be disqualified. But... Because of the holiness of Jesus, God's own Son, which we receive by faith, we indeed do stand in God's presence with him as our Father and Christ as our brother and friend. The Spirit gently leads us into his presence, and now we can come boldly to the throne of grace to get help in our time of need. So, now that we've established what holiness is on the sort of vertical level, uh, who God is and who we are, holy, naturally unholy, but renewed and reborn, as Peter says. Peter says, now that you have been reborn, let's, let's start trying to be more like God. Let's start trying to be more like what God shows himself to be. And he says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
In other words, as born-again children of God, our thinking is to reflect God's thinking on matters. We're called to prepare our minds for action or service to God and others. That's what action means. And to be sober-minded. Now, to be sober-minded means to think clearly, focused on, on who we are as Christians and what we're called to as Christians. The Apostle Paul utters something similar in his closing remarks to the Philippian church. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So a couple points of application then as we begin to think about what it means to be holy ourselves. Uh, holy thinking comes as a result of holy ingestion. I think you see that in Peter and, uh, and especially in Paul's uh, ending to the Philippians. Uh, it is based on what we're ingesting, that it's based on what we're receiving that creates holy thinking. And so the question I guess we could ask ourselves is what do we fill our minds with? And I'm not saying this in the, you know, the kind of typical like uh, fundy way, you know, like anti-TV, anti-internet, anti-anything else. I'm not saying, hey, how much TV are you watching? Uh, you know, that might mean that you're not being as holy as you should. No, don't hear it that way. What I mean is this. Uh, what, what are, I just want you to ask you, what are you taking in? Because Paul says that, that based on what we're taking into our minds, that will have an effect. In Romans 12, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. How does one get renewed in their mind? By being transformed in their mind. How is one transformed in their mind? By discerning the will of God. Where does one find the will of God? Right here, right now. In the word of God. And so... Uh, so it comes by hearing the word. The word creates faith, and faith begins the transformation in our lives. Now, I do want to say um, one more thing about holy thinking. One becomes more holy in their thinking, not by telling themselves what they ought to think or do, as much as telling themselves what has been done. And this is where I want to wrap up today. And here's why I say this. Many people hear the word, be holy, and immediately want to spring into action. I know. I'm one of those people. I'm, I have this tendency to want to do. Tell, just tell me what to do. But before action takes place, Peter is very, 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 very clear. We need to be sober-minded. How do we get sober-minded? By setting our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you don't think holy by trying to think holy. But rather you think, you begin to think more holy as you think about the Holy One who has given himself for you. In other words, the more that you marinate in who Jesus says you are, a perfect, righteous child of God, made completely renewed in his image, bound for heaven, the more you preach that to yourself, the more you hear that word given to you, the more your thoughts will become holy. And so once again, we, no matter what it is, 
When it, when the scriptures call us to action or they call us to change or they call us to be better in some way, which there's a lot of passages that do, we don't skip over them. We just always make sure we go back to what action, to the fuel. And Peter gives us the fuel by starting off saying, uh, set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, thankfully, God is in the business of renewing our minds. He's not done yet. The ing is there for a reason, and he won't be until we reach glory. Over time, as unholy as our thoughts and actions may sometimes be, he is working in us, and he's not done with us, and he will complete the work that he's begun in us. And so, so we cry out each day, Lord, have mercy, being assured in Christ that he will and that he will continue to renew our minds. All right. Thank you so much for being with me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. God bless. And we'll talk to you soon.